0: This morning we are in John chapter 12, and we read that in our gospel reading this morning. And, you know, it's sometimes easy for us to get complacent in our faith, and we start losing the wonder. I know none of you are that way. You all just are excited about Jesus all the time. I get that. But there are those I've heard of that, that, that forget the overwhelming gift that we have, that God has bestowed upon us in Christ. As we go from breath to breath, I pray that we would be a people who are expecting to grow in our wonder and love of God. I don't want it to be routine or just the same things over and over again. As we continue to ask God, what is He inviting us into each day, we are hopefully discovering in anticipation that God is working. Because sometimes I think we forget that. No, God's actually working today. He hasn't taken a break, he's not sleeping. He doesn't, you know, doesn't clock out for lunch. But when we know and we have the anticipation that God is working, that we now have the opportunity to watch and even, of all things, participate in his plan for the world. Doug stopped by, um, what day was that, Tuesday, Doug? I don't know. One of these days, this last week, and he gave me some stuff that he and Delane had cleaned out um, of the house. And it was history, a lot of history of the church. Some pictures I've seen some of you when you were teenagers in these pictures just so you know Uh, there was a newspaper clipping from the 50th anniversary and our own Harold Euling was quoted in it yeah you made the news buddy (laughs) and he described our church as a nice friendly little church and then at the time pastor Phil Meyer he said we have a rich heritage in the Lutheran Church The delivery may change, but the message is the same. And I love that. And it made me think, you know, let's be encouraged about a couple of things for our church. So I want to encourage us together. Number one, that we would be a church praying for others and watching to see how God is wooing others to himself. Because that's what he's doing. He's calling people, please, please come. I've made a way for you. He's begging people, and that we would be willing to be invited into that process of helping. You know, Lord, you want me to go talk to this person? Okay, I'll go do it. Secondly, that we would be welcoming and willing to connect with people beyond the superficial moment of pleasantries. It's easy on Sunday mornings. Hey, how you doing? Peace of the Lord. You know, easy, and then we take off. But when people come in and we meet them for the first time, are we willing to go? Hey. Hang out for a minute afterwards. Let me get to know you. As Harold said, it's a friendly little church. That's a great reputation. I hope our reputation is we're friendly, welcoming. Those people love people when they come in. I feel at home, I feel accepted. Thirdly, that we would understand that the rich heritage of the Lutheran Church is continually, understand this, in the spirit of Martin Luther. It's continually looking for ways to engage in our current culture and bring people to faith in Christ. Martin Luther's like, we've got to get this into the hands of the people. They need to be able to teach their families. We need to write songs and music that, that reaches this current culture. And as we grow, that we would say, Lord, how do you want us to reach people today? The, the message will not change. We're not going to waver on doctrine. The method and the form it takes, we need to be willing. Fourthly, that our intent would be to make much of Jesus and have a willingness to deliver the message in a manner that our family, friends, and community can understand. One of the ways that we must engage with our culture today is helping people understand the true heart of of God and the true identity of Jesus. That's what we've been talking about in the Gospel of John. This is why understanding what the Gospel of John is trying to show us, that Jesus is God, it's so important. The Gospel reading from this morning, I want to read it again, so we're just right in that frame of mind. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Remember, I and the Father are one, he said. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say, and what to speak And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This declaration from Jesus comes shortly after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now the religious leaders understood that Lazarus being raised was another thing that proved that Jesus was God. I VBS this last week, the day one's point was Jesus knew why he was sent next day's point was Jesus was the son of God and the next day's point was Jesus proved that he was a son of God Jesus is proving that he is from God so the religious leaders understood this and what did they do well let's kill Lazarus and that just makes me laugh so God raised Lazarus from the dead so let's kill him again because so we can raise him again I mean it's just it just is funny but but it's something that we need to catch If Jesus spoke and raised Lazarus from the dead, would killing Lazarus accomplish what they wanted to accomplish? He could raise them again. But here's the point. When our wisdom does not come from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our understanding and thinking is vain and foolish. They didn't have a relationship with God. They had a form and function of godliness, but Jesus said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. And so, of course, they're going to think foolishly. Well, let's just kill the guy that was just raised from the dead again. Okay. Today we look at the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus clarify the heart of the Father. And I think sometimes we, we don't look for that. We look for these things that we can hold on to that, that just so oh, I got pull to this, pull this out because, well, Jesus said, you know, heaven, earth will pass away. Um, but there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? We want to say that to people. Well, I, I don't, and none of you do. You guys love everyone perfectly, so. But I find that we can often shut off themes that we have heard repeatedly. Many of us have been in church for a number of years. Many of us have, have read through the Bible more than once. Many of us go, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. But you know what? God is always speaking. And so we have to go, okay, Lord, I've, I, maybe I've heard this before, but you have something for me today. In this moment, I want to hear it. Studies have shown that we need repetition for retention and application. Those of you who have been in preschool teachers or elementary teachers or even teachers, you know you repeat stuff all the time. You didn't learn your ABCs because you heard it once. You sang a song. How many times a day when you were two and three years old? Uh, If you were Lara's kid, um, you can't count how many times a day you sang Lots of songs, ABCs, and other things. We learn through repetition. So here's a question for you. How many times does God have to say something for it to be true? I think all of us say, well, once, right? Yet in the Gospel of John, we see a lot of repetition about who Jesus is and why he came. We see that Jesus repeated himself often and drove home the point that he was God. And that the heart of God was that people would believe in him and be saved. That's the heart of God. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. Why are you all telling people that I came to judge? That's not why I'm here. Jesus wants people to accept his free gift. That's what he wants. Now, this is the challenge for us, because explaining to our current world that Jesus wants to save and not condemn causes them to get defensive. And struggle with the idea of needing to be saved when we were looking at planning a church originally we we're looking at Santa Cruz and we went and visited it with our kids and prayed and I wanted to call it um, Redemption Church and my son very wise guy you're probably not a wise guy wise you guy, know He's No, he's a he's a very just God has given him wisdom uh, you'll meet him in four weeks well five weeks from the day but they're coming in four weeks uh, they've been in India for two years so um, you're not supposed to have favorites, but I love this kid tremendously. And uh, we get along. I can't wait to see him. You'll, you'll be tired of me talking about him. But he said, you know, Dad, I, I think redemption in this culture, he goes, is, pol- is too polarizing. I, I think people, people, well, what do I need to be redeemed for? What are you trying to tell me? And I think sometimes we, 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 we take this back. We, na- we named the church Refuge, by the way, which I really like, too, because that's the name of Jesus. He's considered Refuge people but people get defensive what do you mean i need to be saved what are you talking about we live in a day and a time where we are told we have to approve everything a person does make it's almost like you read sermon notes of some of the things you said in bible study this morning we have to approve how they act and how they think and if we don't agree with them we don't approve of them we're labeled as intolerant judgmental and full of hatred these are not terms, by the way, that describe Christ. Jesus is love. Jesus accepts people where they are, and Jesus comes to save and not to condemn. He accepts them where they are, but he doesn't leave them there. Thank you, right? We're all like, yes. So we need to understand something acceptance of someone is not condoning their sinful behavior. Just because you love somebody where they're at doesn't mean that you're okay with what they're doing. Why? Because usually their sinful behavior causes self-destruction. And you want to love them enough to go, oh, come on. This is, you're going down a way that, that's just going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be hard for you. As parents, right, you, always, you want your kids not to make the same mistakes that you did. And yet, you often find that somehow you passed your sin on to them. And they do the same things and make the same decisions that you did. But yet God was faithful to you. He's going to be faithful to your kids. I think it is helpful to be ever mindful of the grace that God has bestowed upon us so that we might love people where they are and understand that they are bound and blinded to a lesser joy than Jesus. They're going to keep seeking things in this world to bring them joy and it'll bring them temporary happiness, temporary fulfillment. Even the people that have billions and billions of dollars, some of them are the most miserable people. I mean, people who are really poor are miserable too, so I guess we're all miserable. But the reality is, is if you don't find your satisfaction and your contentment in Jesus Christ, you will not be satisfied, maybe for a moment, but not for eternity. May we be reminded that apart from the grace of God, we would still be stuck in settling for less than what God intended. This is why asking God what he's inviting us into every day reminds us that God is the author and the perfecter of faith. And that he has works prepared in advance for us so that we may walk in them. I mean, how many of you, and, and I'll raise my hand first, just get up and go through your day. And you don't go, wait a second, God's given me breath today. I'm his child. There's something that he's prepared for me to walk into today. How exciting, with great anticipation, I walk through my day. I got to see Joan Tuesday afternoon. And I was like, cool, God, what are you inviting me into today? Some great stories. She's, that, that lady lived quite a life. Still is living quite a life. You guys, some of you are chuckling. <laughs> we could probably swap the same stories. But, just, but how cool that you just get to hear what this person has. And, that, and Harold and I got to bless her by being there. I think we blessed her, right? <laughs> Jesus clarifies that the heart of God is for the sinner. Right? Too often we as Christians say, God hates you. <laughs> Facebook posts. Oh, Facebook. <laughs> anyway, social media has given, you know, you get, a, you get a snapshot. Snapshot of what somebody's thinking. And they make judgments on that one post. Years ago when I was a manager for Starbucks, I had a crazy busy store. And uh, we had this program that affected our bonuses. That was, that was called the, the, the snapshot or star report. And basically, they paid people to come in as shoppers. And from the moment they got in line to the time they got their drink was one measure, and it had to be three minutes or less. And then they would tempt the drink to make sure it was the right, and they'd actually weigh the drink. A certain drink had to have a certain weight. And I, we were always frustrated because those of us who had really busy stores had really long lines. Have you been to a Starbucks or a coffee shop or anything that has really long lines? And like, the part of it is the experience. I'm going to wait in line going to see other people waiting for this um, legal drug that we're all sucking down, right? And it used to really upset me that they're taking a snapshot, and I'm the busiest store in the district, making the most money for the district, and yet I'm getting penalized, I have to say it that way, (laughs) penalized for this snapshot of time. And that's what I think sometimes social media does. And other Christians do. There's a snapshot. And like, no, 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 that's not the full story. That's not really how God thinks. There's a lot of places to get to where this conclusion. And we need to sift through that God is love. Let's get there first. I pray that as God invites us to walk into the works that he has prepared in advance for us, that we would have his heart and share his love with others. If we know that we're so greatly loved, it's hard not to share that with others. But we also need to understand the next point that the words of Jesus are polarizing. They're polarizing. It's it's an if-or, basically. You take them or leave them. We wrestle with this because we suffer from self-preservation. What do you mean by that? We want to be liked. We want to be loved. Can't we all just get along? right? We don't want to tell somebody the words of Jesus because they might think, Oh man, now you're judging me. Well, Jesus said, hey, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. They're rejecting Jesus. We want people to know Jesus, but we often struggle with explicitly telling others that what they think about Jesus determines their eternal destiny. And I think sometimes we have to frame Jesus gives us abundant life. We have peace with God. This world is great. There's purpose for our life now. We know where we're going. It's not just about turn or burn, right? It's not just about, hey, do you, do you want to get out of free jail card? That's not what it's about. Get out of jail free, not out of free jail. Free jail would be weird. But anyway, now I do not think scaring someone by describing eternal damnation is the greatest evangelistic tactic. In fact, I think it's a horrible one. But we cannot escape the fact that to believe that Jesus is God... And that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, and to personally believing that for yourself is the determining factor for one's eternity. We can't get away from that. Now, none of us like hellfire and brimstone. You know, it creates an emotional anxiety in people, and they will get responses because sometimes those preachers can really, you know, make you feel awful. I feel that we should, and I, the one thing that I love about, about us is that we go, let's talk about how great the grace of God is, how wonderfully we're loved, but the enemy of our souls and our flesh want to condemn us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 tells us that we are God's ambassadors, his representatives pleading with others to be reconciled to God through Christ. However, we fear rejection. And we crave to be accepted. And so we sometimes skirt around the clear declaration of Jesus being God and proclaiming his great love for all. Much of our apprehension is due to negative press that Jesus has received at the hands of zealous Christians. You know, you meet someone who receives the free gift of Christ. They say they were a drug addict, alcoholic, their life was in shambles. And a lot of times you find them flipping and just being so excited and they just want to tell everybody, right? Every person they meet, hey, you need to meet Jesus. Hey, you got to know Jesus. And sometimes they can offend people. We need to stop apologizing, though, for others and present the true grace, love, and forgiveness of God in Christ. Listen, people are longing for, What did we say this morning? They're longing to belong. People long to belong. They're longing for the love of God. And they truly desire the Jesus of the Bible. They really do. And I think sometimes we we take what people are saying about Jesus, what people are doing in the name of Jesus, and we're we're thinking that that's what what Jesus is and what people think about Jesus. No, they want to know the true Jesus of the Bible. Because what they see and what they hear is often not a true representation. Because Jesus is love. And he's done everything for you. And he's long-suffering. And he can't wait to receive you. And then he gives you life in his name. And you just have to, a joy that can't be contained. Well, I should write that in a song. We cannot change the words of Jesus and what he has spoken. But we can explain the heart of God and how they are spoken. We desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to speak appropriately and timely. May our lives be one that pours out the love of Christ to others and help change people's misconceptions about God. Now listen, I don't think that should be your intention. Okay, so what do you believe about Jesus so I can change what you think? That's not, that's not the key. I think the key is is we just show people, and they'll go, wait a second, you're a follower of Jesus, but that doesn't match up with, with some of the rudeness some of the hate that I've seen in the name of Jesus. I like your Jesus a little bit more. I believe with my whole heart that Jesus is the most attractive being in all of creation. I believe he's very attractive. Now, people who don't know, who think that, don't like Jesus, would say, oh, man, he's death to me. Well, yeah. But once you know, when you come into a relationship with God through Jesus, you're like, that is the most beautiful thing. That can never happen to a person. And so his majesty and his beauty is beyond comprehension. And you get to keep discovering more and more of the glory of God. But the words that Jesus spoke are those that judge a person. Not you, what Jesus said. You either believe that Jesus is God and that He is the only way, or you do not. That's it. And I love that because to me that's simple. It's not complicated. You either believe or you don't. And I'll be honest with you, I've been talking with some people, not recently, but I have in the past, where it's come to that, and I'm like, you know what, I, I can talk to you all, you all you want, but you either believe that Jesus is God and that he died for you and that he's the only way, or you don't. I, I have nothing else to offer you. It's like with marriage counseling. If couples come to me, I say, I got you for four weeks, four times, because you've got to consider the needs of the others above yourself. And if if that doesn't work in four weeks then then either i'll probably send you to somebody else but to me it's simple but it's difficult to consider somebody's needs above your own but that's a success by the way in life especially a marriage but even at the workplace and the community what are the needs how can i serve that person and everything within you will say be selfish especially in our society we can speak the truth of God, yet not represent God very well. Tone and timing are everything. We talked about that a little bit. And Harold's like, well, you can say the truth, <laughs> but the love sometimes is not there. I mean, we can tell somebody, hey, you're going to hell. Which, thank you, Mick. You said that's not our place to say. You know? But that's, that's not loving them. What attracted you To be a member of the family of God was Jesus and his spirit wooing you into the love and the peace that he offers. And that's what we get to do with God. This is why we pray for others and we create relationship with those who do not know Christ. The pastor that we uh, were, were under before we moved out here, he's the eternal optimist. So he never called people unbelievers or not believers. He called them the yet to believe. He goes, look, Kirk, I'm optimist. He goes, I want to see them as those who have yet to believe. And I kind of like that. Because then I'm looking at somebody and going, wait a second. You just have yet to believe in the wonderful gift of Christ. And then I don't have to sit there and go, well, maybe are you going to believe or are you not? Um, Are you in or are you out? Which is a vain exercise. But we create these relationships with people who do not have the faith that we have. And we create trust and safety in that relationship. Listen, that takes time. It's not easy. When trust and safety are established, we can now speak into their lives the truth of Jesus, and they will know that these words are motivated by love because they've seen you and hung out with you and go, man, that person's gentle and kind. They're fun. A lot of people don't think Christians are fun. I think we're hilarious. So I think we have fun. If we understand that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin and that those who are not in Christ are in darkness and under condemnation, by the way, so were you, we will begin to see the need to help others see the light of Christ and the great love of God. So I never want to not challenge you. Oh, it's just a challenge to listen to you, Kirk, come on. Then we would ask the Lord to seek our heart. In Psalm 139, David at the end says, Lord, seek my heart, see if there be any wicked way of me or anxious thought in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We are not qualified to deal with our hearts. That's God's territory. Say, Lord, search my heart. See where there be a, a place where I'm not representing your love and help me. Lastly, the words of Jesus are life-giving. Yay! The words of Jesus bring life to the soul. Remember that Jesus is the word. So that when we study scripture, we are feeding on spiritual food. I pray that we have the habit, and you're going to hear me say this a lot. Remember, repetition. Have the habit of spending time in God's word and feasting on his promises. I know life can get chaotic and crazy, but we have access to many tools that can help us into the word of God. Again, there's Bible apps that you can download on your phone. You can listen to the Bible every day. BibleGateway.com. Very user-friendly. I love it. It's got every translation under the sun. You can compare translations together. If you're into that, it's got scripture references. It's got you know all these wonderful tools. But it's got the Bible, and you can push this little speaker button, and it'll read the Bible for you. Daily Audio Bible. You get a little commentary from Brian, but that's a good one, too. Daily Audio Bible. Blue Letter Bible is a great resource. You can download the ESV Bible or the NLT Bible, but, I mean, I prefer the ESV um, but New King James, NIV, there's a few that are good. Um, NLT is good for just reading thought for thought. It's not a great study Bible. But you can download these things and you can listen to them. I find that I love my quiet time listening to the Word in the mornings. I got my cup of coffee, usually my dogs, and, um, and, the, and listening to the Word. We're working on getting our website up and running. I talked to the guy uh, just last week. He's brainstorming some, some ideas. And once we get that up and running, we'll have tools. Because I don't want it just to be an outreach tool for people who are looking for a church, but I want it to be a tool for us as part of this body. And go, man, I can go there and there's resources for me. That we can use that. You're going to hear this in announcements because I'm repetitive with this. September 8th, mark your calendars for September 8th. We'll be launching the Red Letter Challenge. It's a 40-day challenge that immerses us in the words of Jesus, that's why it's red letter, because some Bible translations have Jesus' words in red. We'll have a study on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. going through it. Laura and I will be hosting Tuesday and Thursday nights for seven weeks going through the red letter challenge beginning on, so we start the 8th on Sunday, the 10th on Tuesday, the 12th on Thursday, and repeat the next week. Children's Church, during service, will be going through the Red Letter Challenge. This is my heart, that when kids are down there, they're hearing the same thing, the same concepts at their level, where they can understand that we up here are hearing. And especially then, when their parents pick them up and they go hang out in the car, hey, they can start talking about what they all learn together. We don't do a very good job anymore of parents teaching children. Again, one of the things I love about the small catechism, at the beginning of everything it says that the head of the household would teach these things. And I love that because we, as parents, it's our job to teach our kids. The church supports that. But we have done a... um, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. But in Western American Christianity, we've separated us. Let's go do something fun and rocking and exciting for the kids. Why mom and dad have their time in the Word? And then we get together and the kids are out of control and we don't know how to talk to them about the Word because, well, we're not talking about it in the way that children's ministry was all, wee, 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 have fun, 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 you know? And then they come to high school and you're like, okay, no more children's ministry review. Go listen to that guy in the sanctuary and, have, and sit still. And they're like, oh, this blows, man, right? I mean, that's what they're saying. I love the fact that kids sitting here, I, I grew up sitting in church, oh man, I, my head still hurts from my mom flicking the back of my head. <laughs> Seriously, that, 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 should have been, that, she, that should have been illegal, there should have been like a concealed carry for her finger flicking. <laughs> but it's amazing. So I pray that you would be praying. <laughs> For that study, I'm excited about it. It's a great thing for us to do. And also, I pray that you would invite people. Maybe there's somebody who isn't plugged into a church or they're, you know, I don't know this thing about it. It's a great thing for even people who don't know about Jesus. Because we're going to study five things. We're going to have an intro. But then we're going to study being, just being with Jesus. Jesus talked about that. Be with me. And they talked a lot about forgiveness. So the next week we're going to talk about forgiveness. And then he talked a lot about serving. We're gonna talk about serving. And then he talked about giving. Oh no, we're gonna talk about giving. Yeah, we're gonna talk about giving. And then he talked about going. You gotta go. Great commission. So get excited about it. You guys who are here every week, you will be so tired of hearing it that you're like, when does this start so we can get it over with? I'll be addressing those themes on Sunday mornings for those weeks. So we'll have the study. The study is actually we'll have some books in it in a couple weeks. The study is there's an everyday devotional great to do if, if you're married a couple if you can do that i also want to encourage you well i'll get to that later jesus states in matthew 4:4 that man does not live by bread alone but by you guys notice every word that proceeds from the mouth of god oh and by the way jesus is god the prophet jeremiah said your words were found and i ate them and your words became to me a joy and a delight for my heart and i called and for i'm called by your name O lord god of hosts the word of jesus Brings joy. The words of Jesus bring life. The words of Jesus bring peace. In God's word, we find hope and abundant life. I pray that we are a people who continually are enjoying the life sustaining word of God. And may our time with Jesus bring us to greater joy and an increased love for others. When we spend time in God's words, we pray with great excitement God, what are you inviting me into today? Because we know it's going to be great and we know it's going to be awesome. May his heart be ours, and his thoughts be our thoughts. Let's take a moment as we think about what we've discussed, and maybe the Lord's spoken something to you today, and we don't want to just rush on to the next thing. Yes, it's a nice transition for me to get a guitar back on. I get that. But I think sometimes we just hear something, and then we just run. instead of going, "Wait a second. Lord, help me. We can respond, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit. So let's take a moment.